0: This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land.
1: We acknowledge the First Nations and Elders of this country and we join their calls for justice.
0: Merry Christmas, Christmas everyone. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. I don't have a hat. You have a hat. A they I tell you that
1: I used to dress up as a kid and help give out presents? And there was a local Santa guy who would come in on a fire truck. I don't know how the fuck he pulled this out, but like for this local community in Horsham, came in to deliver presents and I used to dress up to help Santa deliver those presents. But of course, it wasn't like an elf or anything. I dressed up as like Zorro and stuff and Robin Hood.
0: What? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's just confusing.
1: I was a gay boy who loved attention.
0: Mm, Fond memories. Yeah, I remember the time we stole a Christmas tree like went what? out in the middle of the night, had to jump out and was like some Christmas tree farm. And obviously mum's like, we're not fucking paying for, these, for this. Like, all right, get out, girls. We're running and chopping up getting this Christmas tree, bundling it back to the car. Parody. That's parody. I think that's
1: fine. I think stealing a Christmas tree from someone else's house would be like pretty Oh, intense. yeah, no, that's no. Like- <laughs> Santa, is that you? Run, run, run. <laughs> the green left are trying to steal Christmas. Yes, it's very much a Christmas story. Don't turn our Christmas into a green left political campaign. Frankly, I've always found the Greens to be a real serious danger to Australia. a serious danger to Australia. Well, Merry Christmas everybody, or if you don't celebrate it, that's fine. Happy holidays. Happy day off. I've had a great Bonza and Annika and uh, Thanksgiving and all those things.
0: If you don't get a break as well, thanks for fucking working through Christmas and dealing with oh, people God, being yes. particularly punishing at this time of year, uh, particularly if you work Jesus. in something like retail.
1: Fucking heroes. Good on you. Yeah. This is Serious Danger, podcast about green politics in Australia. I'm Tom Ballard.
0: I'm Emerald Moon.
1: This is not an official Greens Party podcast. It's made possible with the help of the Green Institute and our producer, Michael the Griff Griffin. We were recording this ages ago, but we yeah. still wish you were happy, happy Christmas yeah, and, yeah. or whatever. We're still, still getting in the, in the spirit. spirit. <laughs> Special app, we're going to have a big old chat here. We're diving back into Green's history to discuss what actually happened a few years ago with that little thing called the Stoppadani Convoy.
0: What had happened? What
1: happened?
0: What really happened in Queensland?
1: And what we can learn from it. Please give us the Christmas gift of spreading the word about our show. We love doing the show. We have amazing patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show, chipping in some money. Thank you to people Mm -hmm. who have given us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media too, SeriousDangerAU, on Twitter if it still exists by the time. Well, yeah, when we're recording this, we
0: don't know. know We probably won't be on Mastodon yet. (laughs) Just Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
1: Yes, those ones. You can go to SeriousDangerPod.com. You can email us anytime. Hello at SeriousDangerPod.com. We love to hear from yous.
0: you. Let see Christmas stories.
1: Christmas. Christmas is a time of giving thanks and reflection, Emerald, to looking back at past triumphs and mistakes and thinking about, you know, what we could have done better, um, apologising and saying thanks. And ever since we started this show, this like we had a big like brain dump doc of like all the ideas of things that we might mm. want to cover. And this like came up to mind to me as something I really wanted to talk about. It briefly yeah, came obsessed. up on our John Kadelka uh, Patreon app that people might have heard when uh, on his you know excuse bingo. The rusted on bingo he has, one of the excuses for everything wrong with Australian politics is that Bob Brown went to Queensland Mm -hmm. and we talked about it then. But I think that we have a, I think there's value in going over exactly what happened in 2019 with the Stoppardani convoy, the good, the bad, the ugly, how it's played out since, what we've learned from it and, yeah, what people who are passionate about the Greens and climate politics in particular and just good politics might be interested in um, thinking about moving forward. Yeah. So first off, what are your memories of this <laughs> wonderful moment in Australian politics? <laughs> because you were really involved, you were there, you were the forefront of it all.
0: Yeah. Look, speaking of learning and growing, I I sent you. I have shown Tom some embarrassing <laughs> clips that I suppose we can probably share of me. Yes. As a little bit, it's, this is not that long ago. This is really kind of an, a window into the trajectory of my politics developing. I think that my politics yep. really developed over the last few years. And so, yes, I was running as a candidate in 2019 for the seat of Bowman back when Andrew Lemming held that seat. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and... And sorry, I- just just check remind did you win that election or no?
0: I lost the election okay. I lost right. the election which is strange because as I said it was the climate election so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I lost the climate election running for the climate party yes should we play the clip I'm here at the stop Adani rally in Manjan or Brisbane um, we're about to march to Adani headquarters and to demand that our politicians in the liberal and the labor parties in particular take real action on climate change and commit adani this is the climate election this is the election where we send the labor and liberal parties a message that what they're giving us is not good enough no amount of renewables or electric cars will mean shit if we let this adani coal mine go ahead and if we keep burning coal
1: well said well said comrade
0: (laughs) and that my friends is the moment we won (laughs) wait did we not record scratch
1: (laughs) so is that is that at the that's at brisbane when the when the convoy is coming through
0: yes okay so that's okay. that's right so they came up from would they come from canberra so were
1: they no from hobart
0: oh from hobart sorry yeah i forget that it goes down even further yeah, yeah. Um, even <laughs> all right and they came all the way up and then yeah when they passed through brisbane there are like five thousand people people there's a massive rally in the city to kind of welcome them and maybe we can even put in the clip as well i've got this clip of Bob Brown and a bunch of these people, like, arriving with their signs and, like, walking through this kind of, uh, this tunnel of supporters and everyone's clapping and cheering and being like, hey, they're here, the convoy's here. Hey, hey, ho, oh, oh. Adani's mine has got to go. Hey, hey, And there was a bit of a rally. We marched to Adani headquarters and then I think we, like, just sent them off and we were like, enjoy your trip. Tell Adani we said fuck you. <laughs> And we thought no more of it.
1: (laughs) Yes. The problem solved. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's just lay out a bit of the context here, I think. I mean, first of all, this is how the Bob Brown Foundation sums up what the Adani convoy was. In 2019, the Bob Brown Foundation led thousands of people on a 5,000-kilometre citizens' convoy to stop Adani's monstrous coal mine and save Mm. planet Earth.
0: (laughs) Whoa. That's epic.
1: A mass community action of defiance and hope. Mm-hmm. okay so the stop adani that campaign had been going since about 2016 according to their website you know they started getting active around mm. 2016 of course the adani carmichael coal mine had been talked about in politics for quite a while at that point it was sort of yeah. i think hit the headlines 2015 2016 kind of thing yeah it was you know profoundly uh unpopular a massive carbon bomb It was going to mm-hmm. be the biggest coal mine in the southern hemisphere
0: something like that yeah and the issue was that it would have opened up the galilee basin to coal mining which had never been explored before um kind of these untouched reserves of coal at a moment when we should not be approving any new coal and it kind of like laid the groundwork because if then if Adani was able to put into place their infrastructure and get their approvals there then people like clive palmer uh could come in and follow suit
1: right and then also as part of the campaign was just sort of how fucking awful Adani is as a company, how dodgy they yeah. are, how, you know, is it is it Guan Adani, the guy in charge of it or the billionaire top of it all? Gautam, is, I think. Gautam, excuse me. Um, a very dodgy fellow uh, for a range of reasons and was no good. What is a, Top Adani was a, like a, is a nonpartisan campaign generally that makes up all these 70 community yeah. groups that are non-aligned. Is that a fair summary of what it was?
0: I think like it's just its own like little community. And then there there were local chapters as well. So there would be, for example, like in Intripilli, even like a suburb of Brisbane.
1: Right. And is that generally grassroots stuff? Is get up sort of behind it or ACTU's kind of involved? Mm. Or are they kind of Oh,
0: I don't actually know. I didn't right. I, I actually don't know. It could be. I didn't ever get the impression that they were. Right. But it's possible. Okay. Who knows?
1: Yep. Okay, so in April, May, in the lead up to the May election of 2019, uh, the Bob Brown Foundation leads this convoy. It started in Hobart, I think, travelled uh, to Devonport, went through Melbourne and Sydney, went through Brisbane, as you said, eventually to Clermont in Queensland. It's about, mm-hmm. it's, about it's about a two thousand five hundred kilometre journey all up. The Clermont's about one hundred and sixty kilometres away from the proposed site of where the Adani Carmichael coal mine was going to be. That's as far north as they went. They then headed back to Canberra for a big old rally with thousands of people with Paul Kelly and Richard Flanagan. Yes. The estimates sort of really varied. There was a total of 700, I think, something like cars and motorbikes all up. It was led by five oh. electric vehicles, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Bob Brown is Bob Brown, so he's, you know, the, 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 a big figure of the Greens party, but also Richard Di Natale went up there. There was a very strong mm. correlation between, of course, the Greens and this particular convoy. There were all these events, thousands of people did come out in support along the way, it should be said, but uh, they ran into a bit more trouble when they, when they headed further to the north. There were even some dancing flash mobs. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Were you involved in any of those?
0: Ah, <laughs> all- oh, no, they didn't I didn't learn the choreography, I guess, but I mean I, yeah, I don't know about dancing. I remember there was sort of like a singing flash mob in right. in Brisbane, just so moving. So moving. I mean, like, I remember when I heard about this, I heard that this was happening and it was like, this is this really exciting action that is being organised as part of, yeah, like, Stop Adani. And it kind of sounded exciting and like a good idea at the time Um, mm. because we were like, well, we need to do something fucking big to stop this monstrous coal mine.
1: Yeah. So then... You know, there it was, it was a reaction to this particular convoy, and while, yeah, you would say there's plenty of uh, love and support, again, nationally we should keep in mind the national mood is very much opposed to uh, Adani going ahead, but, of course, there is substantial support for it from people who don't give a fuck about climate change, who think that coal is totally fine, and, you know, more importantly, workers and particular communities in the Galilee Basin that, at the very least, believed... And to a certain extent, you could say, you know, could reasonably expect employment prospects and stuff to come out of this massive mine being opened. Now, we know that well, Adani regularly overstated exactly yes, how many jobs are going to be guaranteed. And we're very happy to automate as much as possible. There was yeah. Adani document saying we'll happily <laughs> turn all these jobs into robots as soon as we can because we are all about maximising profits, of course. But, you know, at least the perception from some of these communities was was that the coal mine was going to bring... Jobs. Is that fair to say?
0: Well, yeah, because they when you say overstate like they massively overstay the jobs. Like, even fuck, I wish I had the numbers in front of me. But I feel as though it was something like initially they're like, yeah, five thousand jobs, and then just quietly they'd be like, yeah, we're thinking around like seven hundred jobs. Like it was that order of you know yeah. of magnitude that they were bringing it down by. And yet, it yeah, it stuck. It stuck that that was the way that people were going to get jobs in in that area.
1: I also have a strong memory, and this is where I do think GetUp was involved. Is that you know. The Adani approval was was you know a little bit of an up, open question. or looked like it was going to go ahead with the backing of the coalition, but certainly GetUp I think was having a lot of wins, letting people know about the billion dollars of public money. Yes to to create this this railway right, like like publicly mm-hmm. funded thing, just to help out Adani to make this to to um, transport mm-hmm. the coal that came out of the mine and and bring it to the to the port. Is that that's a big thing too, wasn't it?
0: And I think actually from a Queensland perspective, I vaguely remember. God, was that leading up to 2017 or 2019? But mm. effectively that the Stop Adani campaign had forced Labor into committing to scrap that public funding for yep. for Adani. And so they went from kind of on the fence about that to being like, look, no public money for Adani, but we're still on the fence about whether it goes ahead, if it stacks up environmentally and socially, blah, blah, blah. Cool.
1: So, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is the convoy Bob Brown's idea that then gets mm. sort of Tied up with Stoppardani. Obviously, people who are passionate about Stoppardani will get on board the convoy. But was it Bob Brown doing this convoy without necessarily getting endorsed by Stoppardani or it being an official Stoppardani event? Uh,
0: It was a Bob Brown Foundation event for some reason, but I got the impression that it was like to help Stoppardani or, you know, as part of Stoppardani.
1: Right, as part of the campaign. Okay. Mm. So then, you know, once they head a bit further north than the the bloody Mexico of Brisbane and the southeast Queensland where all the the state's wealth and resources and hippies go to, they go a little bit further north, they start getting into coal country and right-wing politicians and Adani itself and, Mm. you know, unions and some workers and ordinary people start to come out against this convoy. They're not very happy about it at all. There were pro-Adani protests. People like Pauline Hansen, Clive Palmer, Matt Canavan, George Christensen were addressing these rallies. They were holding signs saying hashtag start Adani in green, which I thought was quite clever actually.
0: So clever, yeah.
1: (laughs) And hashtag go Galilee, let's open up the Galilee Basin, let's open up to uh, to mining. Um, And you heard all these stories coming out about local people uh, who did not like the fact this convoy was coming through their town or what they stood for, ref- refusing them service, and were are basically saying fuck all these people and these greenies coming up from the south, telling us mm. what to do, and uh, opposing this big mine that for them at least is going to mean a lot to them. When yeah. did you first start to get a sense that that was happening or that something might have been going a bit not great with this this convoy?
0: Oh, I couldn't tell you. It's kind of all a blur to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a that was a very turbulent time in my life. I reckon I probably, yeah, only started consolidating it mostly after the election when everyone okay. had all their little think pieces saying that that was the reason that Labour lost.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, it was pretty wild. Like you've got, yeah, the CFMEU was joining this protest as well, so you've got unions out there attending rallies with people like Pauline Hanson and Clive Palmer and Matt Canavan addressing them, uh, getting on board, holding you know putting port- resources into the campaign. There were some cute signs. Mr. Brown and Stop Adani protesters, you may have travelled far and wide but you won't get food inside, said one sign outside a local venue.
0: It's clear. It's polite.
1: Did you hear about the woman who got run over by a horse?
0: I do remember this. I remember that. But, yeah, like, I think it's just I remember, yeah, there being counter protests or there being people that were pissed off, but. We didn't, there wasn't really kind of much political analysis of that. It was just like, well, yeah, of course, like people are going to be opposed to it. It's the election. There are people who want Adani and there are people who don't. Right. But the horse thing was hectic.
1: <laughs> it was pretty fucking wild. I think it was during a, a festival organised by local First Nation elders, I believe. I believe it was like a quite a culturally significant uh, festival that was trying trying to be nonpartisan, basically just was mm-hmm. trying to say, hey, let's not get, you know, this is the, the people whose whose lands the um, coal miners is on, but they wanted to have a festival celebrating um, water, I believe. Anyway, it was during those festivities that, yeah, some guy came charging through on a horse and knocked over a woman. She was, like, quite badly injured. She was sent to Mackay Hospital for an MRI. She was later released, yeah. and I don't think the- or well, the writer was charged with a list of offences. Mm-hmm and then a bunch of people were kind of like yeah that guy's a legend the stockman and his stock horse are heroes and comments on this on social media like dumbass leftards meddling where they have no idea who cares
0: <laughs> who cares that yeah.
1: this woman was but this woman a was fire. fucking
0: stomped down by a horse yeah and maybe it's horse. like maybe we were going to get into this later but i think it is worth reiterating or that yeah the the cultural impacts of the mine are really significant as well like talk about the there were the impacts on the on the climate obviously with a with a, a coal mine this big, which shouldn't mm. be approved. There were the environmental impacts on the um black throated finch, for example, that you know right. potentially there was an avenue to stop it federally there there's also impacts on the Bulla springs, which is like basically that yeah Dary's groundwater plan would completely drain the springs. they couldn't really identify where they would be getting their water from mm. to run their mine, and for all intents and purposes like it was very likely that it would drain these ancient and sacred springs that were very important to the Wangan and Jagalingu people. So that's why water was, uh, I would imagine, a very significant theme. And I think it is worth pointing out that while the Stop Adani movement has effectively fizzled out and is no more, Mm. the Wangan and Jagalingu people are still standing their ground. That's, you know, what they're calling the name of their campaign. They have um, established a camp on their country, like just near the Adani mine site and continue to, to blockade it and to perform cultural ceremony there because it's still, like, that's a, it's a far bigger fucking thing when you've got tens of thousands of years of connection to, to country that, yeah, those springs would very likely be drained by this mine.
1: Mm. Yeah, Jesus. Um, so that's the kind of reception, at least, the, you know, the story was and the, the points of uh, the, the things that people would point to as, like, you know, clear signs of uh, an ill-thought-out strategy or some Embarrassing moments is when you have these sort of counter protests. You have local, ordinary, working class people coming out on the street mm. and sort of saying, no good. I, I will say, in the video from the Bob Brown Foundation, there is a moment where they include people giving the electric vehicle the finger as it drives past. I'm like, why have you put what? this in this promotional why video? Is it- <laughs> <from> Bob Brown. <laughs> God, that boy, is so very, weird. It's very strange. But that's interesting you say that people sort of welcomed the Or expected the hate. And, you know, it it sounds like there weren't too many like physical clashes. And, Mm. you know, it it probably, it sounds like it got a little bit nasty, but wasn't, you know, wasn't like riots on the streets or anything like that. But do you think that also was part of the general vibe of the 2019 election, which, as as people remember, was Labour is definitely going to win. This is the climate election. We're on the right side of history. Of course, Adani's not going to go ahead. People will not stand for this. And, you know, the Greens in particular are going to make a lot of gains and this is going to be a left-wing election to get rid of a very unpopular at that time, what what people thought was, an unpopular Prime Minister in Scott Morrison. Do you think that, that sort of fed into the perception of and the endorsement of the convoy?
0: Yeah, I think that that's right and I think that, I don't know, I think it was just it's true that there was far more of a kind of culture war. like yeah, the conversation around climate was, I would say, much more heated then. And it was much more normal for people to be like outright denying climate change even exists, even though this is like a few years ago, right? Yeah. But denying it existed and just actively backing in new coal because that was seen as the only option for new jobs still. Whereas that messaging has absolutely softened now. And that's come from, I would say, from the top and from like, the Liberal, you know, from the LNP in particular, softening their messaging, realising that it might be a bit wiser to take a slightly different route. And so they're mm. not backing that in with, as they were, money, resources, every ounce of their being was behind, like, anti-climate shit, that election.
1: Right. It's also the um, astroturfing of this stuff is is pretty wild too, of, of some of the responses oh, that are coming out.
0: has form on, like.
1: Yes, loves it hotel owner, Kel Appleton, a strident supporter of Adani and denier of climate science. And again, that comes out a lot when you read a bit of this reporting is it like a lot mm-hmm. of the people rocking up at these protests do not think climate change is a thing. Yeah. A- citing Peter Ridd, the Great Barrier yeah. Reef is fine, you know, so it's not even like a, oh, yeah, jobs, jobs, jobs. It's like, no, literally the problem that you think is happening is not real. He made headlines for refusing service to anti-Adani protesters and rejects claims Brown's convoy did anything to engage with residents or discuss alternative projects. Ableton denies any direct links to Adani itself, despite his Facebook page, Don't Go Cold on Coal, publishing a high-quality video of the counter-protest, which thanked Adani for providing footage of the event. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's been, like Adani has done this so many times. They set up fake groups. They have that thing. There was reporting in Crikey about all the fake Facebook profiles or social media profiles that will comment on things being like, Go Adani, I can't wait to get a job with Adani. Or even right. like, I work for Adani in India and it's fantastic. Adani is such a good company. Mm. And they're just completely fake profiles with AI generated avatars <laughs> of people who do not exist.
1: Okay. So Okay, so that happens. So Bob Brown goes up there. There's a little bit of hoo-ha. Uh, some people hate him. Some other people are supporting the convoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go back to Canberra. They have a nice concert with Paul Kelly. We all like Paul Kelly. He's great. And then, hey, what do you know? Election happens and it's the miracle. Scott Morrison has returned. Labor loses. Everybody cries. We all cry. The mine was approved days before election day. I didn't fucking realize. It. I remember that. that The actual like approval came through. Was well, that right?
0: But that wasn't maybe that was one approval, but not the final one.
1: Okay, right.
0: Yeah, because the final approval came from the Queensland government. Yeah, like in the following in the following weeks, it was like a week or two after the election. They were like, "We're fast tracking the approval of the right. water management plan, which was the final approval that they needed," and they like rushed it through and were like, "Yep, off you go," despite all that evidence about the springs. And
1: yeah, yeah. so yeah, so also at that point, did you have? The Queensland state government, state Labour government, somewhat equivocating on Adani, or at least because the CFMEU Mm. union uh, folks who are out there too were also like campaigning against the Queensland Labour government or the federal Labour government because they were equivocating on the Adani question and saying, please, back coal. And Capricornia, the seat where Mm. the Adani coal mine uh, exists, the Labour candidate there was a former coal miner who was um, 100% backing Adani as well and was calling on the Labor government to do that. So that, that was yeah. too. Yeah,
0: I think they were more on the fence federally. Like I think Queensland Labor was just being a little bit quiet. Right. They probably leaned more towards supporting it as well just because classic Queensland Labor. And then, mm. But they were kind of hedging their bets and then after the election, as we know, they took that as a sign that people want coal and they were like, okay, great, we'll give it to you, anything you want, and they approved it.
1: Okay, so what, what can we say that the Stupadani convoy did or didn't do? What did it achieve? How how do we evaluate this particular move from the Bob Brown Foundation as part of the Stupadani campaign? How do you feel about it now?
0: Well, do you think that it impacted the election result?
1: I don't know. <laughs> you, don't,
0: you don't have a take? I, I mean, because the take, right, particularly from the, like, Notional centre left, a lot of the time. Well, even I guess the centre right as well, was that it had helped lose Labour the election.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting because in reading about this from the review of the election, so Labour's own review, and there could be more to this. This is just one one uh, grab that I found from it. But Labor's review of the election, in which it won only six of Queensland's 30 seats, noted Brown's caravan had the effect of highlighting Labor's ambiguous position on the Adani proposal and enabled the coalition repeatedly to reaffirm its unequivocal support for the mine. Okay. I also have, I've got a little quote here from Inside the Greens by Paddy Manning on this. Do you mind if I read this? I don't mind. (laughs) You'll love this first sentence. More than anything else, however, 2019 was billed as a climate election. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it was. That's what you said. The Greens renewed their call to phase out coal exports and made the Adani's Carmichael coal mine the centrepiece of their messaging on climate and a clear point of difference between themselves and Labor. Mm. During the campaign, a stop Adani convoy organised by the Bob Brown Foundation left Hobart to drive all the way up the east coast of Australia to Queensland and then in line to the town of Clermont, uh, which is near the coal mine. To address climate change, you've got to have a plan to address coal, Richard Di said, and that's why I'm joining the Adani convoy in a few days' time. The debate about the Stopadani convoy and the coalition's scramble to finalise outstanding approvals before going into caretaker mode would have a decisive impact on the election, alienating regional Queensland voters, with the Murdoch press beating the story up every step of the way. Inside Labour, the Stopadani convoy was seen as a political stunt to boost the Greens' vote. Felicity Wade, a former campaigner for the Wilderness Society and the Labor Environmental Action Network, Old Lean, Mm. says the Greens perpetuate conflict over the environment for electoral gain and draws a parallel between the convoy and the 2012 Tasmania Forest Agreement. I don't know much about that. Brown and Milne tried to kill the TFA with all their might, says Wade. Part of it is perfect over the good. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) But why is perfect over the good so important to them? Because Labor being crap and failing is essential to them keeping up their vote. And you see the Green vote collapse when the Tasmanian forest issue is no longer a hot political issue.
0: So why doesn't Labor just not be crap then? Maybe that's the solution.
1: This would be my argument. So, you know, yes, the Greens did highlight the difference between the Greens and Labor on question because we had a very clear position, which is the correct position, which is no (laughs) new coal and gas. I'm sorry, we actually have to stop that if we're serious about the climate challenge. We've kept that up ever since. We did that in 2022 as well. and. I'm sorry if the convoy highlighted your shitty position on this yeah. massive issue, but that is really up to you, my friends. And It truly is. I think that I think that looking shady on this and not taking a clear position, I remember having Bill, we had Bill Shorten on Tonightly in 2018, and I remember asking him about Adani and saying, when you say that you'll approve it if it stacks up environmentally, are you factoring in? the climate impact of the mine that will Mm. come out of it that will then be burnt, and he could not give a straight answer on that very basic question. Of course
0: not, because, yeah, because, no, no, they were just talking about hiding behind our existing legal system around environmental approvals, which they know full well doesn't take account of emissions and climate impacts. Uh, And that's exactly what they did in Queensland government. They went ahead and fucking approved it, even though, you know, yeah, there was that video, I remember, of Terry Butler, former member for Griffith, like saying someone, she was at some event and she's like, yeah, well, you know, I really wouldn't like this. I don't want to see Adani go ahead.
1: I don't support the Adani mine either, I've got to say. I mean, fair play Your to our state. Your party does. No, no. Your fair party play to does. Our, no, no. Fair play to our state government. They didn't have much discretion. They were using laws that had been amended by the Newman government, but I don't support it.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah. and you know, it won't go ahead. And they, they kept saying, oh, it'll never go ahead. It'll never be approved. They fucking lied to their yes. supporters and their members. I remember this so clearly. They really, like, they had really convinced them. Oh, it's not going to happen, so don't worry. That's why we're not campaigning against it. That's why we're being so shady and weird is because it's just not going to happen. And then Mm. they fucking approved it. Yeah. (laughs) For ideological reasons, Malcolm Turnbull is chained to this Adani project that doesn't bear any relationship to commercial reality. Even if the convoy was cringe, even if they didn't consult or make an effort to actually sit down with locals and, like, bring them along with this, um, mm. which arguably, yes, there was not, not enough of that at that time. Even if all of that's true, you can't fucking blame that for the, for you losing the election because you didn't have any fucking policies and any position, you didn't give people in those towns any alternative vision, any reason that they should vote for you.
1: <laughs> right. And when you've got the CFABU like, campaigning against you as well, or at least... Know breaking out at least, yeah, you cannot heap yeah. all the blame onto the, the Greens in that particular front. Mm. Electorally speaking, like just really specifically on the seat of uh, Capricornia, so you had a thirteen percent, thirteen point seven percent swing against Labor in the seat. Eleven uh, percent swing in the two party preferred to the LNP. Michelle Landry hung onto that old um, mm-hmm. anals of history lady. There was a 17% swing towards One Nation in 2019 in that same vote, which, of course, you know, through preferences, all those votes will head back to the LNP. And a 0.1% swing towards the Greens bring us to 5%, I believe. See, that's the thing.
0: Because, I mean, we maybe not for a little while, but obviously, like, we've spoken on the Greens about this idea that Queensland is conservative and particularly is really conservative on environmental issues, and that's why it was a really bad idea for for this convoy to happen to go into Queensland to bring Southerners into Queensland and even to talk about climate change in Queensland. And it, and it was Queensland's fault that Labor lost the federal election because they're so conservative and they didn't want to hear about climate change and and so they voted against Labor or something. And it's like, but, yeah, they would never actually have looked at the Greens vote in Queensland, which went up. Like, we had a... Mm. You know, we, we re-elected Larissa. We had positive swings in, I would say, most seats across the state from what I recall. And it's like, yeah, and the fact that we did literally in Capricornia have a positive swing indicates that, no, it wasn't the activities of the Greens and it wasn't talking about climate change that turned people off. Yeah. And plus, Queensland is the only state that's ever elected a communist um, federal <laughs> parliament and we are not aggressive, a regressive state. And, you know, do we need to do that again? Bring out the, the like, that illustration from that Sam Wallman illustration, Queensland, the conservative oh, yeah. state, a self-reinforcing property. We've got that in the Queensland Green State Office because it's just bullshit.
1: Conservation campaigner Bob Brown has dismissed suggestions. His stop a dani convoy to Clermont in central Queensland cost Labour seats in the recent federal election. If only the Bob Brown Foundation was so powerful that it could determine governments, Mr. Brown said in Brisbane on Monday. If only, that's hogwash. However, I did note a 3% swing to the Greens, which saved uh. Larissa Water's seat in this state. So we'll take some credit for the convoy doing that. <laughs> and I was just about oh, to get
0: I was just about to say, however, when he said this. I was like, yes. shut the fuck up, Mr. Brown. How fucking <laughs> dare you? When we had like volunteers, members, supporters in Queensland working their fucking asses off to get Larissa reelected. Not like, yeah. no, you did not do that. Do not fucking take some, don't take any credit for that. That, that. Pissed me off.
1: (laughs) This is the left wing version of Trump saying I shouldn't get any blame if we lose, and I should get all the credit if we win. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like we didn't affect the election, except that we did. the Senator.
0: Yeah, the one win that the Greens had, we did that. Yeah, no. (laughs) What
1: what is your take on Bob Brown? I think we've like alluded to it on the show. We never actually like (laughs) talked about it explicitly. I'd still like to talk to him on the show. That's my personal opinion. Maybe you don't agree. I don't know. But like, what's your general vibe on Mister Brown? Dr. Brown, I
0: reckon yeah I'm just I've just been stewing on that quote for all these years, and that's why I' <laughs> be hesitant. It's just like yeah, he's just an old he's a deep green, but like that history of you know bold radical action, like it's pretty sick that he still is out there fucking getting arrested for the cause, yeah. but I don't think that I, I don't even know what his economic policies are, but I don't think that his politics beyond the environment are very good <laughs> as I understand it. <laughs>
1: Well, he's still, It's. I'd say he'd still be like a social democrat. He's still In the 90s he was talking about economic rationalism or neoliberalism. He was sort of pointing at that as okay. the bad thing.
0: Right, yeah. But, you know, yeah, sometimes I feel like is it things where it leans into anti-populism like or even, you know, we need to control the population as a means of protecting the <laughs> environment. It's just those things that I associate with like the Tasmanian Greens and Bob Brown. That, right. yeah, they will, they'll like, they'll say that that's a necessary thing rather than, you know, dismantling the system that yes, unequally distributes he, he never, resources. And
1: yeah. Right. Yes. And he never got on well with Larry and he, and was quite antagonistic yeah. towards um, a more class politics within the Greens, that's for sure. Anyway, that's
0: yeah.
1: A conversation for another time.
0: Can I have a show of hands for people who are going to vote for candidates? who opposed
1: the Adani mind. Oh, what a positive outcome. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Day. Thank you. But we touched on some of the critiques there. I think you laid them out pretty clearly there. You know, if we can dismiss some of the terrible bad faith Blaming on the convoy for being responsible for the for every every political defeat and doesn't really stack up once you look at the numbers in terms of the Greens and that convoy being solely responsible for Labor uh, losing those seats in Queensland. But you you mentioned yeah you know, okay. So what are the critiques? What are the things that w- didn't particularly work from there? The the perception of a bunch of southerners overwhelmingly people would have assumed that people who live in the city perhaps or who live pretty relatively mm. comfortable lifestyles, who are materially secure, coming to another part of the country, potentially a place they've never been before in their entire lives and saying what should happen there and, you know, with the very simple, bold message of stop Adani. Uh, there's no room in that slogan for and also have a just transition and make a whole yeah. lot of new jobs and make sure everybody's materially secure with little to no consultation with the people in the local areas affected. Are those sort of the main points we'd say is where the Adani convoy was was not so great?
0: Yeah, and I think that was the main critique of, like, even just the whole climate election thing. I think in Queensland, I remember when I was running as a candidate, the way that we would talk about climate at that time was about an alternative. It was about a just transition. Mm. And... Yeah, the the services that we wanted to put in place in those communities and and you know, a job guarantee and and that sort of thing as we transitioned out of coal and gas. And it's that thing where, yeah, you basically to come in to a town and say I want to take this thing away from you and mm. not talk about what the replacement is. I think there's had to be a lot of work to like undo that and organizations like, I don't know if you've heard of The Next Economy, for example, like there are organizations that have done a whole lot of work in recent years to, from the ground up, build relationships and trust with workers and unions and communities in, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly in regional Queensland and hold, you know, months of of forums and and workshops and, and surveys and everything to bring communities along. And now we've got something like Gladstone, which has you know what is it the biggest coal port in the world or one of one of the biggest coal ports um in in the world, and Gladstone Regional Council just released like their just transition strategy they released like a full long term climate transition plan to uh-huh. get out of fossil fuels, so it's like that Yeah, that that work really needed to be done, and I think that that was still being figured out and the Stop a Dining Convoy didn't really do that at the time.
1: Yeah, right. I will say, reading over this, and I think what you've said, it's all entirely accurate and and totally fair enough and politics isn't fair or whatever, but I, I did have moments where I was like, what I do think gets lost in these conversations is the fact that... Climate change does affect everyone. The climate crisis does affect everyone. Mm. So, to the point in which you can say, "Oh, people from over there shouldn't come over here and tell us what happens here," you know, the the thing missing from that argument is the fact that what's happening here in these coal blooded uh, country <laughs> yeah. is cooking the planet, True. which is the same planet that we all live on, right? And I know that's very hippie <laughs> greens vibe, but I just I do have a level of sympathy for some people who you know might have joined that convoy and who I think regularly think about this. This situation, this fucking shit show of a situation, this existential crisis that we're facing in, but that, that that fundamentally illustrates how connected we are and how we have a responsibility to each other and how our act- actions affect each other. Because yes, in these remote communities, the, the particular industry that has risen up in those particular places because of the natural resources there does actually affect everybody else. So you know, people in the city should care about you know what happens in regional Queensland when that industry is cooking the planet that we all live on and that we have kids on and that we want a good future for. You know what I mean?
0: True, but at the same time, I think that the message, whether it was intended or not, what came across was that they were coming up to the people, yeah, who were at fault for this um, to kind of hold them to account for it. And while, like I said, in Brisbane, for example, they marched to Adani headquarters, but Mm. it didn't feel in Clermont like they were going to to confront Adani. It felt like uh-huh. they were going to confront the people right. who would maybe be working for Adani, which we you have just- to acknowledge are not the ones at fault for the climate crisis, right? They're people who just right. want a fucking job.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. If the whole campaign was centered around Adani headquarters, you'd have a very mm. different situation, hey? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Potentially. My other
1: thing is that you know, even though Stop Adani is a very you know simplistic and uh, and you know negative slogan, I suppose in a way, um, and you know it needs to be followed with you know. Okay, if not Adani, then what? What are we offering? What does a just transition look like? What mm-hmm. does the future for these communities look like? It's also just like like just stopping these projects is so fucking hard. I mean, look at how hard Stop Adani has worked, and we, you know, it didn't work right. The, 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 the man yeah. has gone ahead, and I think of Scarborough now, right? Like the Scarborough gas project. Yeah, that campaign is say no to Scarborough. Okay, and it's just mm-hmm. like. Again, that doesn't—that has to not happen because that's another fucking climate bomb. That's just insane with the, the gas reserves they're going to pull out of that project. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of good things, positive messages that we can say. I think there's a no Klein. You know, no is not enough, or whatever. But it's like I, I have sympathy again for the perspective that says first things first. This thing cannot happen because yeah. it will fully cook the planet.
0: Yeah, I know, but it's like yeah, but does that? Does that work? Like does, that work? does yeah, it work right. in any way other than direct action as well? I mean arguably I think we should say that I don't think the Stop Adani campaign has been a total failure because they were forced to scale down their yeah. mine so significantly like re- to a really massive extent because they mm. couldn't fucking yeah like they couldn't get a social license no one wanted to deal with them insurers didn't want to insure them it it made like it made their life much harder than it might have been if there was no protest. And I think sends sent a pretty clear message to anyone who wanted to open up a giant coal mine that it would not be easy for them. Yeah. So that's worthwhile.
1: I think it was sixty million initially planned to produce 60 million tonnes of coal per year and funding difficulties have resulted in downsizing to just 10 million tonnes per year now. 10 yeah. million tons, still real bad, but uh, still, <laughs> a lot less than sixty. Really so that's good.
0: Deep in the heart of the forest, there is a magical is world. Twentieth Century Fox invites you to witness the wonder, the music, and the
1: adventure of Fern Gully. Tell me about the Daintree blockade.
0: Yeah, well, I was just because I think I mentioned this when we spoke about this briefly in the episode with Drunkard Elkar, and we we're talking about this. I I read this book a little while ago by Bill Wilkie called The Daintree Blockade, The Battle for Australia's Tropical Rainforests, which is a fantastic book. I recommend it. has got lots of cool pictures and it kind of recounts this protest that um, in the Daintree in North Queensland in the early 80s. Mm. And why it reminds me of this is because way back then Bob Brown was also caught up in this fucking, like this kind of, outcry, this outrage over Southern environmental protesters coming up to Queensland to meddle with their town's economic development and Mm. something that would, yeah, increase uh, economic opportunities and and jobs because they were saying it was going to ruin the environment. And there are like, there are certainly lots of parallels. There are some differences. The Daintree blockade, it was basically around the construction of this. Have you heard about it? The Like, do you know what I mean when I say Daintree blockade? No. So this comes right after, like, the Franklin Dam stuff. And so Mm. Bob Brown was, you know, he he had been busy and (laughs) that was a massive thing where they were actually able to, like, by blockading, you know, the Franklin blockade and they fucking won. Mm. And so this was around the construction of a road through the Daintree Rainforest, including recently declared Cape Tribulation National Park there was this missing link between Bloomfield and Cape Tribulation and you would kind of have to like get a ferry around or like take this really circuitous other road so there was no like coast road for that missing link and people in the local area had been saying that they wanted to build this this road for ages i think in the 60s even a group of locals like including farmers and stuff had got together and they're like fuck it government won't build it we're going to fucking build this road ourselves and they literally <laughs> yeah had like constructed this track and they got almost all the way through but then i think it was just there were construction it, they couldn't finish it and so then there was just this kind of half done dirt track that went almost the whole way for the next what 20 years or so mm. and then eventually um, they they get together and yeah the council decides okay we're going to we're going to build the road finally And locals came together and organized to stop it. And it was this massive series of of campaigns, including blockades in 1983, 1984, because they had come like towards the end of 1983, they started building it and then it's North Queensland, like it's wet season. They get rained Mm. out. They can't finish it. They come back in 1984 and start again. And It started with this kind of local, like this is one of the foundational things of KaFnik, the Cairns and Far North Environment Centre. Yes, KaFnik is an organisation that still exists, like a local enviro group. But it was, it was, it was like led by local people, right? Mm. Like that were it, it was people who lived there. It was people who lived along where the road was going to go. It was also people who had kind of moved up for the hippie lifestyle at the time. That's how it started. But then as it escalated people had to go back to work like the book talks about you know people like well we couldn't just stay there the whole time when it came down to blockading actual bulldozers they needed people who could literally be there around the clock to stop this from going ahead and so people started coming up from the southern states the nomadic action group or they used to call them the nags from (laughs) northern new south wales Um, my family, the Nags, um, yeah. So they they came up from <laughs> Northern New South Wales, and these are people who had been to the Franklin Dam. These were like, you know, what people might call now professional protesters. That they were like, this is what we do. We, uh, all right, now we're going up far north Queensland to stop this fucking road being built. They did stuff. Get a like, job. Um, Get a
1: fucking job, yeah. hippies. <laughs>
0: Well, and there was—that's when all the tension started. So they had these really cool blockade tactics. What I really like is they—they they would like dig holes, big holes, where the road was going to go in front of the bulldozer, and sit in the holes. So they would bury themselves right up to their neck, and there were there's literally photos of just like all these heads sticking out. <laughs> of of the ground, uh, which the bulldozers couldn't get past, and then when they were able to get wedged out of of those holes, very dangerous, by the way. Like it seems like people were really kind of putting themselves in danger by you know oh crushing God. their limbs under soil. Anyway, and then and then they would sit in trees. So they went up trees, like way up high, up trees, and there were people who just stayed in trees for days and days and days, and the bulldozers couldn't get past. And yeah. a lot of these were those nags, but. They were very, you know, there were people who were just coming up to kind of like have a good time um, and who were, you know, they didn't have the appearance that maybe Kafnek or the locals wanted To present to the media, because by now it's Mm. getting media attention. And it caused all this conflict because the locals were like, You're making us look bad and Mm. no one likes these people who don't even fucking live here coming up to tell locals that they can't have a road, so they can't get through where they want to go. That Mm. is no that's not like that's not constructive and you're not gonna win this way. That's kind of yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, right. And so and so and Bob Brown was part of that as well or like Bob Brown was be, part. Then, so what he yeah. says
0: when i was reading i read an article um where bob brown is then interviewed about this and he i don't remember it being told this this way in the book but he's like yeah i just i'd finished the franklin dam blockade and i was like tired and i want a little break so i thought i'd go up to north queensland that sounds good and then he's yeah. hanging around and people keep talking to him about this dane tree uh, rainforest and the road that's going to be built. And he's like, oh, fine, I'll head over and have a look. And so then he gets involved with it like that.
1: Yeah, right. It's so interesting, right, because it's it's like, you know, I don't know, if you get some level of notoriety or you have some level of people know who you are, then you have a platform, then you've got to use that voice, but then you also just don't want to be the professional, yeah, protester or the person who's like flown in yeah. or buses in and seem to be capitalising off, off, you know, some kind of protest or what have you. Yeah, I mean. People from the areas affected, local grassroots stuff is always a, a better winner, right? I just yeah, keep thinking, well, like, yeah. the convoy would be so much different, right, if it was people from those communities exactly. who wanted to stop Adani all, and everyone meeting at Adani headquarters in Brisbane, right, like driving down mm. and, and, you know, driving up or driving from across the country wherever you like to all congregate at the centre of capital and power, which is a Adani headquarters, mm-hmm. and telling them to stop it. That would be a very different situation, hey?
0: Yeah, and I think that, like, Even though, so ultimately, I mean, spoiler alert—they built the road. (laughs) Um, There's this, there's this cool recounting of like when the road opened and all these cars show up to drive it for the first time in like this ceremonial thing. And as they're opening it, like clouds close in overhead, this massive (laughs) fucking thunderstorm, and it washes out the road and people like getting bogged on this road, like it's Mm. just a fucking disaster. But the road opened. But they were able, like, this was absolutely instrumental in getting that area listed under, yeah, wow. like, World Heritage listed. Um, so the yeah, Wet Tropics right. Rainforest and the Wet Tropics Plan, that came out of this campaign by CAFNEC. So while all this was happening, like, there was a blockade, but there was also CAFNEC and, and people who were, like, mapping the area of the Daintree and being like, mm. this whole area is really significant. Where you know the the coast meets this rainforest, it's um, and we should protect it, and you yeah. know, campaign to yeah, buy it as as national park or whatever. And so, like, the media attention that was garnered by spicy protests, like burying yourself in a fucking hole or right. sitting in a tree or whatever these people were doing, mm-hmm. that was what got media crew there, who then started looking at this area and being like, damn, this is a pretty beautiful rainforest. <laughs> like, maybe we should protect this. So, it's, in a way, it's yeah, like. A
1: point. Yeah.
0: Again, you could argue Stop Adani convoy raised, like, got a whole lot of media attention about climate and climate as an issue. Yeah. And I don't know, I think some people would maybe argue that it then it went the other way and people were like, oh, these guys are fuckwits, climate is not a good issue. But I don't know, Like in, in the general trend of things, it seems to be part of a movement towards a general acceptance that we need to do something about fucking climate.
1: Yeah, look, and my default is just anyone who's doing this shit is doing great stuff, even if it's a bit yeah. messy or sometimes a little bit cringe or whatever. It's like fucking hell, man. Putting yourself in the line when, when you could be doing anything else I think is yeah. very admirable. And also when I hear people say like, oh, I used to care about climate change that I saw an annoying person do a dumb protest. I'm like, okay, Bullshit. how committed were you to this yeah. to this course exactly? That no. that's enough to discourage you from doing stuff. Now, yeah. having said that, and I know we've talked a lot about like Extinction Rebellion and and um, Blockade Australia on the show and, you know, the politics around these different kinds of protests, but we didn't touch on it on the show, you know, those protests recently with putting soup on famous works mm. of art. And one particularly bad one, which was Extinction Rebellion pouring out milk in supermarkets, like just like pouring them on directly onto the <sighs> ground and filming themselves. Yeah. And I think there were some good critiques of that saying this is a, a – environmental politics without a class awareness right like yes who the fuck do you think is going to have to clean all that shit up in the on the yeah. floor of the supermarket those people are not your enemy they're just being pissed off in their shitty job because of your little environmental protest that's that's bad stuff
0: well i mean again though like yeah arguably it's the same thing about well, should the Stop Adani convoy have just gone straight to Adani? Mm. Should they be going to the, if they were, pro, what were they protesting against? Like agricultural emissions or something? Is that the, you know, we should stop drinking milk, farming cows, I assume. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know, go to the government, go to the corporations who are doing massive fucking factory farming, because I think that's, yeah, that's one of the admirable things about the Tree blockade and blockades like that. And direct action that I support is you're literally, you're in front of the the bulldozer and like, The bulldozer operator, sure, they're also, it's not their fault necessarily, but they're not going to not get paid just because you're standing in front of the bulldozer. But you are going to inconvenience the council that's trying to build this because they're the decision maker.
1: And man, there are stories of like those kind of workers being convinced, right? Like, there's the, like, you know, someone whose job it was to bulldoze shit actually having their mind changed and like joining the protests essentially and mm. saying, look, I'm not going to do this because I've yes. talked to these people I've seen how committed they are. Mm-hmm. And that's a level of class solidarity in, in the cause. Of the that's Obama. true. That's also
0: yeah. Exciting.
1: Yeah. Uh, we should leave it there probably. I reckon this has been a really great chat. I'm glad that we got to this. Um, the good people at Flood Media, which is again a leftist Brisbane media outfit Max a bunch of other Greens friends are involved. They did an episode on the Adani convoy a few years ago talking to Mick Jones, who lives in Capricornia. He was the Greens candidate in 2022. Um, that if you want to hear more about that, it could be really, really interesting. Um, a great nugget from that is that apparently during that election, the Labor Party had signs saying, send a coal miner to Canberra. Yeah. But the One Nation candidate was also a coal miner. So yeah. it wasn't like specific about <laughs> Which one that we're going for? But I mean, you know, ultimately they land on, of course, the classic position, which is you should have a door-knocking convoy. Uh, You should talk to people um, face to face, and you know, talk around these issues about climate and and the jobs in the future. That would have been perhaps a more politically effective response. But Mm. yeah, we'll put the link through to that episode in the show notes if you want to hear more. Yeah, and um, uh, I mean, yes, if people, so is so there's no sort of Stop Adani campaign. Any more necessarily? Question it's mark? kind of
0: reformed, as I understand yep. it. Stoppadani have they've got, got together and they'd be like, "Oh, what do we do next?" And I think that that's now beyond coal is what they right. they've kind of rebranded as, and they are mm-hmm. doing things like forums in a bunch of cities. I think I saw recently. I don't know if that's still happening, but yeah, kind of talking about where we go next and focusing on like financial campaigning, which Stoppadani did a lot of, and maybe also focusing on gas. Uh, but yeah, I think beyond coal is what they are now, but I reckon in terms of like a call to action, I would say, like I said, like Wangan and Jagalingu traditional owners are still performing ceremony on their land up where the Adani mine is. And they have been there for fucking, for a really long time that we can put the link, um, the standing out ground link in the show notes and you can donate. They also, I think they have like shirts that you can buy um and you can even just follow them on social media and stuff if you you know if you were really keen I know some folks who have gone up to camp and like sat with um the traditional owners there just like stayed with them for a few nights and just kind of like yeah learn about the history of of the land and join that that camp and and that ceremony so you can even do that i would obviously just reach out to to the folks first and and see if they'd be willing to have you
1: thanks for this chat emerald thank you for listening everyone we hope you have a good holiday period i guess we will talk to you in the new year right the next episode's going to be in 2023 for fuck's sake
0: that's right and tom you know what i hope that our listeners got for christmas what something more than a lump of coal <laughs> It's good, right? <laughs> Just thought of that. Serious <laughs>